0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. You may be seated. My dear friends in Christ, it's always a fun thing when you have a parable of Jesus, and right away the recorder of the parable tells you exactly what's going on. You know what way to read that parable you know what you should be looking for and so luke here in verse one of chapter 18 says jesus told them a parable to the effect that they should always pray and not lose heart so is there a question as to what luke is saying just pray don't lose heart i mean we could almost take that one verse right out of the scriptures and just say hey that's our reading for today this is the gospel of the lord Thanks be to God. But is there something more? Of course there is. You know me better by now. You see, in this parable, Jesus is teaching us something about prayer. Not just that we should pray, though that is certainly what's going on, but how it is that our prayer is received by our Father. But first, I've got to ask the question, How's your prayer life? I kind of hate that word because I think that's just really rather stupid. But how are you praying? Are you praying? Are you praying enough? Should you be praying more? Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Jesus here through Luke is telling us that we ought always to pray. How are you doing? Now, a lot of people take those two verses and they'll kind of look at this and say, well, 24-7 then we should be praying. And obviously we can't do that. And and so that's a sin and we need to repent. And and, and, I mean, that's true. But here's the thing. When you are to pray without ceasing, when you are to always pray, it doesn't mean that you're engaged in 24-7 prayer where you can't even speak to your friends, your relatives, your neighbors. That's not it. But it is that as things come up in your life, as you notice things, as you appreciate the gifts that God would give, as you deal with the struggles and the trials of this life, as you continue to go through the tribulations that you are in, that as these things especially are brought to your attention, as they come to your mind, pray about them. How are you doing? I don't know about you, I could always be better. And I mean, and I say this as a pastor, my prayer life is not... Anywhere near what I think that it should be. It really isn't. I wish I did it more. My weak flesh, I think, is often tempted to think, well, what's the point in praying? I mean, after all, it's God knows what's on my heart and. I've got other things that I have to do, and my kids are demanding my attention, and I want to make sure that this is done so that my wife can enjoy something. And I mean, there's just a thousand things that are on my mind other than prayer. And if that's true for me, I've got to believe that is probably true for you. Not because the pastor's better, but because we are all broken human beings in this way. I actually remember at one point in my just absolute arrogance saying to somebody who was asking about this saying, you know, I don't really need to pray all that, and this is when I was younger. I don't need to pray all that much because God and I are good. Maybe you've heard that one too. Praying is an invitation from Christ to God the Father, usually To treat Him as our Father. It is an invitation to speak to God our desires, our wants, our needs. To praise Him. To give thanks to Him for all things. Now, it is certainly true. You can pray to Jesus as well. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. They are all God. But typically, when we pray, we pray to the Father. Typically, not always, but typically. And we are invited to pray to the Father when Jesus teaches us what we call the Lord's Prayer. The disciples say, how shall we pray? Teach us. And Jesus says, when you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We call that the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is this invitation. Jesus reveals to us that we may call the Father our Father. That, as Luther says, we can approach him as a dear child asks their dear father. In the text today, we have a judge in this parable who is wicked and evil. A judge who neither fears God nor respects men. And yet he has this woman, a widow, who has no one to fight for her, no one to defend her. She comes to the judge and asks for justice. And the judge is not somebody who's looking at the law and saying, okay, we'll do that. Or looking at God and saying, well, you desire mercy, so we'll do that. Or looking at other people and saying, well, I fear what you're going to do if I don't, so we'll do that. He doesn't think any of these things. He says, because I want her to stop bugging me, I'll finally give her what what she wants and get her off my back. Jesus says, how much more so then does your father look at you as a dear child who loves you, as one who wants to protect you and give you all things, when you come to him and you bug him persistently like this widow, out of his goodness, he will hear you and not send you away. Most of my life as a father is dealing with requests from my children. Dad, can we have this toy? Dad, can I get this toy? All right, Dad, if, I, if you buy me this toy right now, can I give you my money when we get home? Dad, can I have candy? Dad, can I have a snack? Dad, can I have it? Can I have, can I have, can I have? It's everything. I'm getting requests all the time. And i got to say, it's getting annoying. Here's the thing, God the Father invites you to be that child, asking for all the things that you are perceiving, that come to mind, that come to heart. God the Father wants you to bother him persistently. He does. He does. He wants you to come to him with your needs and your wants, and your praise, and your worship. All of this is prayer. All of this is that invitation to say, I will not cast you away. I will love you. And I will give you exactly what it is that you need out of the goodness of who I am. But here's the thing, guys. In all the years that I've been praying, rarely is it do I receive an answer speedily. But that's what Jesus says here. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily, to those who cry to him day and night. Now, one, that doesn't mean that he favors those who cry to him day and night, but those who are crying to him in the day and the night, he will give justice speedily. Rarely is it that I'm finding that my prayers are answered speedily. I think you've been in the same boat. Spouse is sick and is dying. A job opportunity has come up and you lose it. Money is tight. The pews are emptying. Rarely is it do we get an answer. Speedily, and yet Jesus promises that God will answer those speedily. But answer them with what? Justice. Now, this word is interesting. Justice is a word that is today very often perverted. Justice today is, well, getting some kind of recompense for some perceived wrong against you. We cancel people right and left. We tell them they have no voice in the culture. Whatever it is, social justice, racial justice. I mean, don't get me wrong. Are there grave injustices in our society that we as Christians should work to correct Absolutely there are. They've always been there. They will always be there. That doesn't excuse us. It gives us work to do. (coughs) But the justice that we are seeing here in the gospel is not that. The justice that we see here in the gospel, you should be reminded of the martyrs under the altar in Revelation. You should be reminded of the Psalms of David where he cries out to God. You should be reminded where they say, How long, O Lord, until you take your vengeance upon your enemies? That's justice. You see, the martyrs cry out because they have been, well, martyred. Murdered for the witness of Jesus Christ. David cries out, for his enemies are always surrounding him, seeking to do him harm. And you may cry out in the very same way. That your enemies surround you. That they are encompassing you. Like we find in Psalm 22, as the bulls of Bashan encompass me. Jesus cries that out from the cross. The world... And sin and death are constantly surrounding you, constantly seeking to do you harm. And it might not just be these abstract things, but it might even be concrete things. Real people, real organizations that seek to do you harm. Jesus says, cry out to God. Cry out to God for justice, and he will deliver it speedily. Then again, we see Christians all over the world being persecuted for their faith. I mean, today, there is more persecution happening in this moment than there has been in the last 2,000 years of Christian history. People are dying. Churches are being destroyed. And you have to imagine, these people are crying out for justice. And yet, they're beheaded on live TV. They're buried in the sand and use their head as a soccer ball. Martyrs have been crucified, beaten, boiled, grilled, run through, fed to lions, poisoned. And in all these things they cry out for justice. Jesus says it comes speedily, and we see them die. So what's the disconnect? The disconnect is what you expect justice is. Is justice turnabout as fair play? No. Is justice a quid pro quo kind of thing? No, justice to God is the forgiveness of sins. After all, his son came to die for you, to take your sins from you, to bear up under the punishment of God the Father, under his wrath. There is no more wrath for you. So now, when you cry to God for justice, now being baptized into the one true faith in Jesus Christ, now being covered in the blood of Jesus, crying to God for justice, God gives you what it is that Christ has won. God gives you goodness and righteousness and mercy. And forgiveness. And to God, this is justice for you. While it's true, according to your flesh, you do deserve nothing but the wrath of God. Yet according to the very faith that God has given to you through his son, by his spirit, you receive good things. Forgiveness. Life. And salvation. This is justice for the believer. This is justice for the one crying out to God day and night. And I gotta tell you, there's nothing better. And it might seem like that's some trite statement, that there's nothing better than forgiveness. Well, of course, Pastor has to say that. I mean, after all, he peddles in this stuff, right? But it's true. If you were to leave here today, and some gang was waiting outside of this church with their guns, and they shot us all dead as we walked out the doors, you would still have the best thing ever, and that you are forgiven. And if you get stuck at home, you fall down, and you can't get up, and you can't reach anybody, there's no ability for you to move, and you starve slowly on the ground, you still have the best thing in the world that ever could be. And if it is that prices rise so high that we can't afford our housing anymore or our cars or our taxes and we're thrown into prison, you still have the best thing ever. And that is forgiveness in the name of Christ Jesus. You still have life in the name of Christ Jesus. You still have salvation in the name of Christ Jesus. And because of his sacrifice, you have eternal life. This is Excuse me. <clears throat> this is justice. This is the justice that Christ has won for you on the cross. This is what he desires to give you. Notice Jesus leaves this parable when the Son of Man comes, when he returns in his descension from the right hand of the Father. When he comes back, will he find faith on earth? If you're here, the answer is yes as the church persists through the ages, as she sits in the blood of Christ, he will find faith on earth. Faith to have your sins forgiven. Faith to receive the gifts of the Father and to give him thanks. Faith indeed to walk in the righteousness of Christ. What's one of the best ways that you can know that this comes to you? You pray because your father has promised that when you pray he will answer your prayers. When you pray for forgiveness, you know that he will give it to you because his son has won it for you. When you pray for life, you know that he has given it to you already in baptism and you will see it in its fullness at the end. And when he gives you when you pray for salvation, you know that he has given it to you in his son. You pray for these things because God has already promised them. And so you pray for justice to be done. You pray for it for yourself. And you may certainly pray for justice to be done to the enemies of God. Knowing that your hope should be that they repent and find the same forgiveness that you have. And if not, that God would do what is right and what is holy and just. And know that he will. Your Father in heaven hears you, my friends, and he loves you. He will not turn you away because of your persistence, but instead he will love you all the more, drawing you to his breast, holding you tightly, and saying, Yes, my justice, my love, my salvation is yours in Christ Jesus. Your Father loves you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.